Regular beats. What stuff? It's a popcorn night. Welcome to Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. I am your host, Jamie G. Esquire, the fifth bowling league champion. It's Bush League Psycho stuff. Laughable, man. <laughs> I would have fucked you in the ass Saturday. I'll fuck you in the ass the next Wednesday instead. Woo! You got a day Wednesday, baby. And I'm here with Magnum Mills and the Soup Deuce to talk about what we've watched recently and to talk about one of our absolute favorite movies, The Big Lebowski. Guys, not drinking a whole lot tonight because kind of had a big weekend. Taking her easy, but Mills, I'll trust that you're keeping her easy for all those out, out there, all us sinners. Yeah, I mean, I'm Magnum Mills, and I have to say, I had my fill of white Russians in college. Damn, Mills, a white Russian is a pretty classy drink for a college kid. Who said anything about drinks, man? But now that you mention it, I was so cool that those Russian bitches could skate on me, and I do also have an ice-cold Coors Light. I think, you know, it'll really pull the show together. Thanks for checking us out. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, all the good ones. Find us on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. You can search for our YouTube channel if you're already on YouTube watching something else. Or just go to JoeBlowFootballShow.com. Bring you right to our YouTube channel. If you could, please take a minute. Nay that. A second. All right. Eight seconds. Just like, comment, follow, subscribe, rate comment again just do one of those things helps us out a lot helps people find the show and if you do them all then uh you are truly abiding soup what's good yes indeed yes indeed well i am not drinking white russians tonight i'm drinking a little bit of i'm drinking something a little different a little sweet water 420 g13 ipas man in honor of this lebowski uh chat that we're about to have here man so uh these are going down nice and smooth and i'm definitely looking forward to breaking this movie down a little bit man and discussing it nice well los angeles in the early 90s was it was one hell of a place so we need to ease into it a bit and to do that let's start by discussing what else we filled our eye holes with since the last time we talked mills what have you watched recently that you'd like to uh discuss or or recommend here and please again just for our viewers, no spoilers on these. Just just give us a taste. All right, Roger Dodger, a little tease, the stuff I've kind of been keeping up on. Uh, Party Down over on Stars. There's now one episode left in the final season. I did see that in the little next time on. It said on the season finale, not the series finale, so I'm holding out hope. I've really enjoyed all the episodes so far, but the last couple have been like right up there, kind of classic episodes. So they've been killing it. Uh, still watching The Mandalorian on Disney Plus. It's fine. It's a Mandalorian. It's good. It's the Star Wars thing. I don't mind it. Uh, Wu Tang and American Saga also wrapping up its final season on Hulu. Couple episodes left. Really enjoy this show. And I think it really took off about halfway through the second season. So if you've tried it and you kind of bowed out, you know, halfway through the first season, being in the second season, finished up at some point, it's pretty great. Now seeing two episodes of Lucky Hay, the new Bob Odenkirk joint over on AMC. I mean, it's fine. It's kind of a dark midlife crisis, you know, dramedy kind of show. Everyone in it's good. It's it's fine. I just don't know like how it's going to become a big hit or anything. I think it's one of those things that people wind up kind of binging and maybe it'll play a little bit better as a binge because it is a little bit slower, especially if you're coming from, you know, seeing Odenkirk on Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad. Uh, as far as new stuff, I've seen the season two premiere of Yellow Jackets. 
It was very good. Very excited for the second season. We already talked about the pilot episode earlier on uh, this program. So if you want to check that out, go ahead. It's already been renewed for season three. So you don't have to worry about, you know, doing all this work to catch up on a show gets canceled off from under you anything. Very good. I also seen the first two episodes of Ted Lasso. Definitely enjoyed them, but it's another show in its final season. And I think they're really pushing themselves to wrap it up. Like, I think the second episode was almost an hour long, which is a really long episode of Ted Lasso. Still pretty good. Just, you know, I think they might have bit off a little bit more they can chew to try to wrap it up here. But it is one of those things where, you know, they had a three-year plan. So it gives me confidence that it'll end in a satisfying way. And finally, just caught up on the latest season of South Park. I mean, it's South Park. It's not bad or anything. It's certainly better than later age Simpsons or Family Guy or whatever. I just think you can tell that the writers at this point, they don't, they're not really that into like Cartman, Stan, Kyle and Kenny at this point, they really like Randy and Butters and these other characters. And it kind of shows like those are, when you have like a Randy episode, it can still shine and be really good South Park. But when they go back to do the kids, it feels a little almost uh, perfunctory or whatever. I mean, it's fine. There's definitely some good jokes, but you can tell they're just not into it as much. So uh, that's what I have filled them holes up recently. Jamie G you've been uh, using the backhoe to your brain and all. Man, that was a lot, dude. That's what she said. Let me see here. I'm going to say, you know, I was big on Rome. I, I talked about it previously. I'm still going to say, if you haven't watched Rome, it's only two seasons. It's out there on HBO. Go watch it. Really good. But I will say I'm not, you know, celebrating, uh, you know, I, the, 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 the guy here, the co-creator, we know that he's, that he's a terrible human, but I did want to at least watch uh, season six. So I'm a couple episodes into season six of Rick and Morty. And that's been fun, man. I actually, I actually like it. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of a different thing here um, where, you know, it's not the standard kind of stuff that you've seen before. If, you know, I am going to spoil things a little bit here. So you've got three seconds, one, two, three. There's, there's no there's no portal gun here to start this season. So it's kind of cool, man. So they're actually doing, you know, episodes without having to travel interdimensionally. And so pretty cool. Um, liking it so far. Definitely has those good, you know, Rick and Morty moments. So really sucks that that one of my favorite shows kind of got just kind of put on the shelf a little bit for me just because of the personal shit with with Royland. Definitely disappointed in that. Uh, but this show, you know, is awesome. And, and season six hasn't disappointed. So I think that's that's pretty much uh, it for me since the last time we've done regular dudes watch stuff. That's kind of the only only additional thing. Yeah, the only silver lining is that apparently Roiland really hasn't done any writing on the show since the first two seasons. And as far as voice actors, there's plenty of people who can either do a good Rick and Morty or because of the nature of the show, it would be pretty easy to explain why their voices change or something like that. So if, they, if, you know, it had to happen to somewhere, this was probably, you know, one of the best case scenarios on terms of someone being a garbage human being, but a show being able to replace someone who was kind of integral without the show having to end and everyone losing their jobs and that kind of thing. So, well, you know, man, um, I haven't, I haven't filled my holes. I haven't packed my holes that full of, of, of things. You know, I do keep a pretty complicated uh, schedule. So when I do find time to watch stuff, which is, which is usually later at night, it's, I, I usually try and focus on shorter things just so I can, uh, you know, not invest too much time and in, in run the risk of falling asleep, which after last week, we all know can and will happen to me at some time <laughs> from time to time. But uh, all that being said, man, I did, I was able to squeeze in a couple, man. Um, this is, I typically don't like to, uh, to, uh, talk about things in this segment that I, uh, that I would like to, uh, pitch for the show or whatever. So something, uh, that I have been watching is the, uh, tournament of champions on the food network, which is, you know, something I enjoy because it's what I do and everything. 
But uh, this it's a Guy Fieri show, one of his many shows on there. But it's pretty intense. It's pretty good. Uh, it's definitely entertaining as far as competitive cooking and shit goes. So that's pretty cool. It's a fun one for me anyway because I'm into that kind of stuff. Aside from that, I did uh, recently squeeze in uh, The Northman which has been out for kind of a while now and it's a longer movie. So I was able to, you know, and it was a movie I was able to get through. It's good. It was good enough. I expected a little bit more out of it, but, uh, but it was, it was definitely worth a watch. You know, I don't, I don't know that it would be, uh, I don't know that it would be pitch worthy to, to talk about, you know, for us on the show or anything, but definitely, definitely a good watch, man. I mean, it was good storyline and everything and, you know, a lot of, a lot of action and, and, Worth worth checking out. I'm a fan of the uh, of the actor in that movie as well, from his work in True Blood and everything. And uh, it was it was put together pretty good. It was worth it was worth checking, you know. And you know what? I could throw another one in there too that I just fucking thought about that I saw uh, not too long ago. You know how I love fucking like real cheesy fucking horror movies, uh, low budget horror movies. There was this one called Drive Through that probably I'm sure none of y'all have ever heard of. And uh, it was awesome for a fucking cheesy ass low budget horror movie. So drive through, check that one out too, man. If you're in the mood for something like that, real gory, real fucking, just nasty. Good one though. <laughs> what I'm talking about? That's a nice plethora of options. You got a nice buffet to choose from. I think you know whatever whatever style you like filling up your holes. I think we got you covered. Love it, uh, guys. That brings us to our featured review for the week. Last time, Soup Deuce broke out the big guns here and pitched an all time classic. The Big Lebowski. It's kind of hard to say no to the dude. So here we are. Soup, any particular reason you chose this moment uh, to pitch Lebowski? Or did you really just want to win win one of these? Because, you know, you were on a run this past football season where you seemed to win at a lot of things. So uh, were you just trying to get that, you know, chasing the jag- dragon a little bit or what? Yeah, you know, I mean, I was definitely itching for a win, dude. You know, I had previously pitched movies like uh, True Romance and you know, things that I thought would win. And, 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 you know, so yeah, I busted out a big one that I was hoping would win, but I wasn't actually a hundred percent on it because of, you know, uh, previous, uh, pitches and whatnot. I'm glad it did. Um, I, the main reason why I pitched this wasn't only because I wanted to get a win under my belt here to, for the dudes watch stuff and everything, but, but also because I knew it would be a good one for us to talk about. There's just a lot there. And, uh, and I know we're all fans. And even if we, had seen it a bunch of times maybe we have it in a minute it's not, and even whichever way it's always a good rewatch like no matter what so uh so i didn't think we'd have trouble coming up with uh some cool shit to talk about when it comes to breaking this movie down all right well here we are mills do your duty and give us the deets and the background on the legendary the big lebowski Usually, it's my duty to please that booty, but I guess I could just go ahead and do the details for the big lebowski instead or just i'll get to that later this is The Big Lebowski, directed by Joel Cohen, written by Ethan Cohen and Joel Cohen, produced by Ethan Cohen, starring Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Julianne Moore, Steve Buscemi, David Huddleston, John Turturro, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Cinematographer was Roger Deakins, edited by Roderick James and Trisha Cook. Music was by Carter Burwell. Released March 6, 1998, with a budget of $15 million. It grossed $46.7 million at the box office, had a running time of 117 minutes. And the short plot synopsis is the ultimate LA slacker, Jeff the Dude Lebowski, mistaken for a millionaire of the same name, seeks to get a new rug that was ruined by some goons because it really held his room together. So he enlists his bowling buddies for help while trying to find the millionaire's missing wife. And this is going to be 100% a full spoiler discussion. 
of the Big Lebowski, anything and everything related to the Big Lebowski, it's probably going to come up in our discussion here. And that's it. That's your warning. So know that this thing is is going to spoil everything. And if you haven't watched the Big Lebowski yet, like, I don't know, man. That's a question. You, you might not be in Unless the right like, place. We don't want to, like, you know, push anybody away. And also, I don't know if it'll come up or not, but they did make a spinoff, uh, The Jesus Rolls. Just throw that in the spoiler mix in case it comes up, just to be safe. You've been warned. You have been warned. And let's start out by discussing our history with The Big Lebowski. I want to know, when did you first see this movie? Uh, would you consider yourself just a regular fan, or were you you know, regular uh, at the Lebowski Fest? Like, was this your jam? Uh, Mills, what's your history with the dude? And, and, and well, and all of them in this. There's a, there's a crazy lineup here in this movie. It really is great cast and a great set of characters overall. I did not see this one in the theater. I think I first caught it in either 99 or 2000, so not so far after that. It was one of the first DVDs I bought, so I definitely ran through that a lot. I can still kind of remember the menu was like a bowling animation or whatever, because that's how it used to work when the DVD would finish it and go back to the menu. And I kind of remember like waking up to that or just like you leave it on in the background and it'd be like this bowling thing at the DVD menu over and over. Again, I've probably watched it dozens of times, like in the the numbers of dozens, but probably not hundreds of times. So I'd say that makes me a fan, but not the kind of guy who like converts to dudism or goes to Lebowski Fest or whatever. How about you, Soup? Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you, man. Um, I've seen it. Uh, I don't even know how many times a lot, but the thing with this movie is when it when it first came out, I saw it recently after it came out. I also did not go to the theater to see it, but I did um whenever it was available to watch you know um i saw it pretty shortly after it was you know after it had come out or whatever and it was good you know i remember it being like a good fucking movie but with this particular movie man like the more times i watched it the better it got because you pick up more and more every time and even to this past uh viewing you know there's still more shit that like you can think about or pick up or whatever just because there's so much going on in like every fucking frame of the movie so it's one of those that uh that is, I think it's kind of hard to grasp in one sitting. I think you kind of need mul- multiple views for a movie like this and a story like this. So uh, it's one that aged well over time, you know. Yeah, you definitely pick up details, like even your fifth, tenth time through. Uh, Jamie G, how about yourself? You hadn't seen this one in a while, right? It had probably been five years or so, I think, since the last time I watched this. But, you know, shortly after this came out, I I also did not go to the movie theaters to see it. But as soon as it kind of came out and it was hitting kind of like cult classic territory, I mean, this this was one that we watched a lot. I mean, this was, you know, I would say definitely dozens and dozens of times I've seen this, you know, quoted it inside jokes with buddies. Uh, One of my favorite gifts ever um, was a gift that was given to me that was a big Lebowski set. And in it is my mouse pad, which is uh the rug i don't know if you guys can see this or not but i mean it really it really ties the room together dude and um so that's still my mouse pad to this very day uh which is very ties your desk together really it really ties my desk together and so um so yeah definitely definitely a big fan it's just such a great movie i mean an absolute classic it's hilarious uh great character development and you know it's not too bad of a story either so uh big fan here and and you know watched it just I can't even, you know, I lost count, but a bunch of times. That's what she said. Um, Real quick, without even thinking about it, what's the line you quote most from this movie? For me, it's where's the fucking money, shithead. Either you two off the top of your head, what's the the quote from the Lebowski used the most in your everyday life? 
I mean, it's I, I've got to go with probably the dude abides. You know, I mean, that's that's way up there for me. Or this aggression will not stand, man. That's that's another one that gets used a lot in my world. But she's not my special lady. She's my fucking lady friend, man. Actually, I probably don't use that one. <laughs> I like lady friend though. I'm bringing that one back. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, let's be honest here. There's probably no point in wasting time with our overall thoughts. We love it. This is a great one. Uh, it's one of our favorites. Instead, let's just try to sum up our feelings for the Big Lebowski in a three to five word review. You know, the kind of thing that they show in the trailers and commercials uh, about a movie. Soup, give me a three to five word review of the Big Lebowski. There's a beverage here, man. I don't know if that's making the poster. <laughs> Uh, I mean, good one. Other good than one. it ties the room together, you know. Ties it all together. You know, make it generic. Like, it ties it all together. I'd go with, it will bowl you over. Uh, what about, you're out of your element? Uh, I like that. You're out of your element. Um, I, I got another one, too. Uh, I don't have another one. <laughs> I thought I did. I don't. I don't. Easy one would be like uh, someone just calls it like instant cult classic. Like I can see that didn't like, you know, splashed across a movie poster. And uh, I laughed until it hurt. I can see someone saying that. And also, he's the dude, man. Dude, man. Yeah. Laugh and be entertained. I mean, that's, you know, that's about that. You, you can't sum it up any other, any yeah, other I kept way. I'm trying to work something with white Russian in, but given the, the word limit, there, it's really hard to fit that in without it meaning something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's two of your Like you should rush in right to there. see the big Lebowski, but then there's no white and it kind of doesn't make sense without the white and the Russian. But then how do you make it work? Well, you could have substituted white Russian and combine it and say Caucasian. That takes away two words and makes it one instead. Yeah, again, but it was that struggle to like, Put that on yeah. a movie poster in a way that would make everyone feel like this movie's for them. Jackie Treehorn's Caucasian. <laughs> that would be people would be like, huh, that's I don't know what that is, but you'll find out, man. You'll this find out. This movie will log jam you. This yeah. movie will log jam. There you go. Now, now, now we won. So this is your jam. You want it. So you claim to know a lot about the Big Lebowski. For instance, I'm sure that you know that the check that the dude writes in the opening scene is for exactly 69 cents. Yeah. But do you know that the seven-digit phone number that we see written on the top half of the dude's checkbook, do you know what that is? I do not. Oh, strike one, 537-3375. And what is that relevant to, or is it just totally just random? written in there, dude. You've seen it a hundred times. Right? At some point, you had to be like, I wonder what that number is. Yeah, yeah, shit, man. Okay, all right. And see, I know, and I know you guys devise these questions to try and trick me, because uh, <laughs> so we'll see. But uh, yeah, nope, you got me on that one, man. All right, one more here. Uh, another bit of fun here from the opening scene. We see George Bush giving a live speech during that scene. George Bush Senior, not W. For collective action. This will not stand. This will not stand. This aggression against uh, Kuwait. That's a real speech that took place on Sunday, August 5th, 1990, three days after Iraq invaded Kuwait. The dude dates his check September 11, 1991. So either there was a production error or the dude postdated a 69 cent check by more than a year. Soup, what do you think he what do you think he did here? Well, it's possible that it was 
Okay, first off, it could be possible as a rerun rerun on TV. I'm gonna take that as probably it's not, live but... on the screen. So it's said live okay, on the screen. All right. So all right, so fuck that. Um, my next thing is, yeah, maybe he posted it for that long, thinking, fuck it, man, they're never gonna cash a 69 cent check anyway. Or I think the highest probability is he doesn't fucking know what day it is or year it is, man. You know, I mean, shit. He even said, like, in the Lebowski's office, he was like, what day is it? You know, like, yeah, because you see a landlord tell him, like, the 10th is coming up or whatever. Yeah. So I think it's technically the 9th when he's writing it. So even if they just got the year wrong, he was still at least postdating it by two days. But that is close <laughs> enough that he could probably legitimately not know. Uh, what date it he probably was. doesn't know what day it is yeah. <laughs> and this is kind of keeps a trend of the movie here because you actually hear george bush in that in that uh speech he says something to paraphrase like this aggression towards kuwait will not uh, stand and like you hear that kind of come back around later with like this will not stand so the movie kind of does it's that like, especially the dude he'll hear something and then kind of like repackage it and say it later yeah absolutely yeah, guys just out of curiosity do either of you have checks in a checkbook and what is the lowest dollar amount check you've ever written i've definitely written a check for like cents before because i'm I'm paid something and i was off by uh, maybe i didn't put the tax in or something like that so then you get a bill in the mail for like 72 cents so probably like i definitely when i was younger or in college or something i remember having to write a check for a ridiculously low amount dude i have no fucking idea man i haven't written a check in uh decades man and i'm sure i probably I have hundreds left because i ordered a bunch of them never like i use maybe one annually last time uh, last time was when i bought a car that's the last time i used a check check i think yeah i don't know do people even no, use Chris, maybe maybe did i write a check for a wedding i don't know maybe for no, i think car i think literally buying a car is the last time I wrote a check. who takes a check does anybody take a check anymore is that still a thing or places do places do yeah, hmm. yeah i've seen people still write them at the grocery store no shit. Minute, but i've seen it all right, man. I feel kind of bad. I don't really want to do this because I already know the answer, but it's probably been a while since y'all watched a rated R movie that has been edited for broadcast television, right? Like y'all aren't really like catching Die Hard 2 on TBS or anything like that, I'm assuming. And I mentioned oh. that very specifically because when they do that with a movie, they put a radar movie on broadcast TV, they have to kind of dub in new dialogue, cut some violence, that kind of thing. And famously in Die Hard 2, Bruce Willis's yippee motherfucker is replaced with the absolute classic line, yippee Mr. Falcon. And in the Lebowski here, we have a classic line. This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. So I need y'all to both give me your broadcast-friendly version of this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. Soup, how would they have to make that work for television? Well, I will start by saying that there are few things very few things that i hate more than fucking censorship for one and fucking around and putting different words in for two that's like taking a work of art and fucking spray painting a dick and balls on top of it or something you know so i think it's a fuck i'm highly against any of that shit and i would definitely don't promote that and if that shit's on tv don't fucking tune in and give it ratings watch the real fucking deal and if you don't want to then just don't if it offends you or whatever the fuck so before i go off on a rant on that since we're doing this for fun it's the only reason i even bothered coming up with these but all right so this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass if you want to switch those words around the only I could come up with is only a couple, man. And then I could say, this is what happens when you feed a stranger in the dark. Or this is what happens when you fart on students in your class. I like that one. That's is it. this your homework, Larry? <laughs> I had one class one. I, I had one that was like, I used class. It was, uh, this is what happens when you find danger after class. I, I, I had, 
This is what happens when you fork your cereal bowl. Don't, I mean, that's that's certainly interesting. <laughs> that's what I mean. You got to like Mr. Falcon yeah, it up, man. You Mr. Falcon it's it up. Fucking unconstitutional, man. It's fucked up. So. <laughs> I just had a couple random ones. Uh, this is what happens after a rager smoking crack. Is that okay for TV, though? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe you could say ass. You could maybe say ass. I don't know uh, the rules. I don't know the rules either. This is what happens when you show a stranger sass. This is what happens when you mess with my cash. And my favorite, this is what happens when you show a stranger your ass. But actually, the line what they went with is far more creative than anything we came up with. And it was, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Wait, wow. so they actually did this? Yeah. I knew a you stranger were. in the Alps. This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. That was the edited line. Wow, that just broke my soul knowing that that's actually a thing. They really fucked that movie up by fucking around and changing the words. You can't say fucked on broadcast television. It's like you Then don't put it on fucking it. TV. <laughs> That's my thing. <laughs> where do you guys, I mean, the, the theme of the movie, right, is overall overarching theme is bowling. So where do you guys stand on bowling? I mean, there's there's as much bowling in The Big Lebowski as any movie I can think of. It's, I mean, it's up there with Kingpin uh, in terms of bowling, maybe even more. Are you a fan of bowling? And, and did you enjoy the bowling alley setting uh, where we spend a lot of time in this, in this flick? Yeah, I mean, as a dude who spent – a lot of time in bowling alleys in the 90s. I think this is pretty accurate, except probably not smoky enough. Like, I cannot tell you how smoky bowling alleys were in the day, and you would go home with this weird kind of combination of smoke, alcohol, and oil, even if you weren't drinking or smoking. It, it had a very certain, like, it's a bowling alley smell, right? And the, the shoe freshener and everything like that. But I think they really absolutely nailed the aesthetic, especially even the clothing, kind of the, the music playing over the PA. And that's what you would do. Everyone would kind of sit down between shots. And, like, sometimes then you'd have to, like, really manage. Like, all right, in between my turn this time, I got to piss. Next time I got to go to the bar. Next time I got to go do this and that. And so you're kind of running around and you, you kind of just have these random conversations. And then, like, oh, this dude's got a personal game going. So everyone's creeping down to watch him and everything. And, uh Tons of different people. So I, I think they pretty much nailed it here, man. I think that's the most interesting thing is the bowling leagues are generally very uh, eclectic gathering of people. Agreed. I like the uh I like the setting of the of the bowling alley as kind of like one of the main backdrops for the movie. A lot of it takes place in the bowling alley, especially a lot of the dialogue and introductions to a lot of the characters take place in that uh bowling alley as well. And it's design I mean the even the even the uh you know the decor and everything just it's a nineties bowling alley for sure, man. You know, I mean, it's kind of retro, kind of weird looking and it's what you would want out of a bowling alley. I would fucking hang out there. You know, I thought it was good. <laughs> well, first of all, I love bowling. It's something that I want to do more of. It's so much fun. And like, you know, they, they kind of nail the whole feel for it, even down to like the bowlers, right? Like people who are like actual, like, like people who go to not just for fun, but are tournament bowlers it's a different breed and I thought they nailed it with all the different characters in there that are just kind of showing up on teams and stuff. I, I, I thought that was great. You know, the whole, like put your hand in front of the, in front of the vent thing as you're waiting for your ball, like all that stuff. It's just little things that, that you do when you're in the bowling alley. So 
Very, very, very cool. Um, I don't know, man. Here's here's another quote from this that we missed earlier, where it's like, "Fuck it, dude, let's go bowling." That's probably one of the things that I used yeah, to say yeah. a lot back in the day, uh, which which you know, back in the college days and stuff. I mean, this is just uh, that's 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 a good quote from this movie, but it it makes me want to go bowling. Actually, I watched this. I was like, I should go bowling. A, yes, we should go bowling. And B, that actually got repurposed into like the whole meme thing from I think it was Grand Theft Auto Vice City with Nico, and he'd always go bowling with his cousin. It's like, hey, Nico, let's go bowling, and they do the whole. Nico goes bowling bit. I think that was pretty cool. It's interesting that we never see Walter or the dude bowl. I don't think. I don't think we see either of them roll a single ball, except the dude kind of helps Maude in his dream sequence, but that's it. Like, we don't see either of them, you know, throw a shot in league play or practice. But, but Donnie, Donnie's throwing rocks, dude. Throwing rocks, dude. He's, yeah, he's a roller, man. And the only thing that I maybe can't buy about this movie is the fact that the dude, who's just like, they go out of the way to show how lazy it is, they go to bowling practice. Like really, like that's that's just maybe that's the one thing I I could buy everything else about this movie. I don't know that the dude would go to bowling practice. Yes, I'll be at practice. I mean, he said it to he said, he told Walter he'd be there. That's what I mean. It's that's kind of surprising. Like he doesn't strike me as that kind of dude. Well, you, you know, another thing I like about this whole bowling alley thing is that it's a social outlet. Like, there's no there's no social media at this point. This is the early nineties. You know I mean? You're not phoning people up on the cell phones. Nobody's doing fucking TikToks and Instagrams and whatever the fuck you go to a bar, you go to a bowling alley or whatever the fuck to have social interactions, man. That's one thing I kind of miss, you know, before the uh, techno technology, whatever the fuck age that we're in now is the whole having to go out to have like social interactions where now most, now you don't need to, you can just, most people don't, you know, I mean, I still go to bars and shit, but you know, it's not like you're just going to randomly meet somebody at a bar. It's like, you know, you got to arrange everything. Everything's through like fucking weird fucking, you know, digital what the fucks, you know. So, I mean, it, it was just a simpler time. And and I, and, you know, I can relate to that and I get that and I like that. And it was also acceptable for you to come home hammered on a weeknight. Absolutely. Wait, you can't do that anymore? Shit. <laughs> you can't. It's what not as acceptable as it used to be. It was just par for the course back then. Oh, it's league night. League night, dude. Uh, we're, we're, we're not going to go in chronological order per se. So we'll just go and, and maybe talk about the characters that populate the bowling alley while we're on the subject of bowling. It's a central location. There's literally tons of people there, but we, we, we really only meet a select few and we got to start with one of the most pressing matters of the movie. Did Smokey go over the line? Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. Bullshit. Mark at eight, dude. Uh, excuse me. Market zero next frame. I think he did. He had dude, Walter's wrong. That's the only common theme through the movies. Walter's always wrong. So if Walter thinks he went over, I think he didn't. Just simply because Walter's wrong about everything else, right? But he's not always wrong, but he is an asshole. He's wrong a lot. <laughs> he's wrong a lot. Uh, you're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. This dude's a walker. I know it, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> this guy fucking walks. I've never been more certain of anything in my life. Right, yeah. This I'm saying, I'd, Walter, you want him in your corner, but I just don't know if he. You don't want him making the calls. You want him just, you know, enforcing. 
he's an enforcer, not a decision guy. Yeah, good point, dude. He usually is pretty much wrong about everything. So uh market A, dude. I say I say he didn't slip over. But nobody will ever know. And the actor <laughs> says, like, that's one of those things like everybody always comes up to him and asks, like, yo, dude, smokey over the line. And and he does not he does not answer that either. Like he's he's keeping it close to the vest to and his grave, secret. dude. To his grave. Taking it to his grave. Smokey, man. He's a pacifist, dude. He, he is. Everyone's uh, <laughs> dabbled with pacifism, dude. And you can't really talk about the bowling alley scenes without mentioning the Jesus. John Totoro is just, I mean, dude, he crushes here. He's really going for it as Jesus Quintana, the sex offender slash league champion bowler. Eight-year-olds, dude. Guys, thoughts on the Jesus, man? Great fucking character, man. Well played, well cast. And uh, yeah, Totoro went all in on this one, man. Everything down to the fucking, the jewelry, the purple fucking suit, the tight fucking pants with the bulge, man. The fucking painted coke nail. Like everything about him, man. The tongue, licking the ball, like uh, the other shit. You know, like, like his mannerisms and everything is just fucking great. And that he's kind of like the nemesis in the bowling uh, in the bowling league for the for the dude and and Walter and everything, and uh, their their interactions are just fucking awesome, you know. Only dude that Walter won't talk shit to his face. He'll say shit behind his face. Everyone else, Walter has no problem going up to him. He does not want to fuck with the Jesus, yo. Because they'll pull the trigger till it goes click. Yeah, right up the. My favorite bit probably is the the ball cleaning thing because I remember like it's it's the thing to watch like a you know a real fat dude do that back in the day. Sometimes they had machines or whatever, but apparently John Turturro came up with that. They basically gave him like a, a whole afternoon to just do random shit more or less, like the dance and the tongue and like even the hair net. And I think a lot of that was just all decisions that he made and everything. And I think. Pretty much all of them work. And you mentioned the bulge. Apparently, that was like a like bird seed or whatever. Like you see it prominently bird when he's seed. going around. To, you know, he's knocking on doors to say he's you know identify himself as a sex offender with the tight pants with the bulge. I, I question that choice. <laughs> I don't know if that was the you know that might have been time to break out the sweatpants there. Better ass, dude. <laughs> well, one interesting thing with with his character is we see the. The Spanish version of um, Hotel California being played, and we do hear that the dude hates the Eagles later. So of course, in the that would be Jesus kind of music. Of course, it would be. Yeah, he's you know, it's not exactly his credence tapes, dude. That's what that's what matters. So, guys, we also meet the narrator of this film, the Stranger, played by Sam Elliott and his legendary mustache. We see him at the bowling alley. What do you guys think about this whole thing? You know, using narration, I think, could be a bit tricky. Bringing the actual narrator into the story can can derail things if not done you know properly. Did all this work for you? And let's be honest here, this role was like it just was like perfect for Sam Elliott, right? I mean, I can't imagine anyone else who could have played this. Could you? Yeah, no, absolutely, dude. I mean, uh, Sam Elliott was perfect for this uh, for this role, and I like the idea of having the narrator. And as a, as a, the movie starts, it starts with a tumbleweed rolling in from the, you know, fucking desert or whatever into the streets of Los Angeles. And the narrator is is beginning the story, you know, telling the story and whatnot as this tumbleweed is like, you know, cruising through uh, the neon lit streets. And that tumbleweed doesn't really belong there. Just like the narrator doesn't really belong in the story because he's not like a slacker dude. He's like a cool cowboy kind of guy. And he's, you know, and everybody else in this movie is kind of is you know kind of failed at life you know where where this guy gives the impression of the confident fucking i'm telling the story and this is uh and this is what it is man 
So, uh, it, but it, but it works because of that, I think, you know, and even it, bringing him into the movie in a physical aspect, I think worked as well because for one, it adds more mystery to it as to like why, and then him and the dude's interaction, which I believe he's the only person he interacts with during the movie. Yeah. Definitely the only person he interacts with during the movie. So, um, you know, then there's more fucking things you can think about. Like, is this dude just in dude's head or whatever, you know, or whatever the fuck. So, um, I, I think it's cool. And I think it brings up a lot of good fucking, uh, you know, points and theories and, topics yeah it's a it's just definitely an interesting choice from a writing standpoint i do think the bartender at the bowling alley gives him a sarsaparilla if i remember right like i think he does address yeah, him and he gets really, a sarsaparilla. Yes, so and he goes to like he walks i get the impression he's on a bowling team like as weird as that is like and he just happens to be the guy who's narrating and yeah just shout out sam elliott i pretty much knew him from tombstone at this point like definitely knew him from tombstone with the mustache oh, i kind of remembered i was going to say the other thing was roadhouse but i remembered it more prominently from tombstone i, I definitely yeah. you know both work well and dude shout out sam elliott he was 54 in this he's almost 80 today he looks basically the same like maybe he looked like a little bit old for 54 back then but now he looks basically so he looks young as hell for like a dude who's like 79 now or whatever wow so it is time to test your knowledge again. We see Walter bring his ex-wife Pomeranian to the bowling alley. What Fucking is the dog's man. name? We can see it on the nameplate of the dog carrier. It has papers. The fucking dog has papers, man. Um, I don't fucking know. God damn it, you got me again. The According to the plaque on the dog carrier, the Pomeranian's name is Thurston. And actually, I think Walter actually says it too. Thurston Hall the Third. I don't know what they're going for. Uh, is this before? I guess it was post Gilligan's Island. I don't know why don't you name your dog Thurston. It's an interesting one. There's probably I mean, he didn't bring a bowling. Dude. He's not buying it shoes. He's not getting it a beer. You know, he's not but taking yeah. your turn, dude. He's not, he's not taking, taking your turn. turn, dude. Dogs have fucking papers, dude. That's all I know. Yeah, so, yeah. You got me on the name too, man. <laughs> Well, there's there's probably one more thing I'd like to discuss or at least point out about the bowling alley. Throughout the entire movie, we only see Donnie roll strikes. The only time he doesn't is in the scene before they confront the nihilists in the parking lot where Donnie dies of a heart attack. Or did he? Soup, this one's for you. Is Donnie real? There, there's a theory floating out there that he isn't. Tell us about it. All right. So I've thought about this a lot, uh, you know, and uh, multiple times where I've watched this movie and I've tried to I, like I, I really want to see somebody put a version together that just like has no Donnie in it. Just kind of like squeak him out because I think it would play off because I've tried to do this in my head. Just disregard the fact that Donnie's there other than like maybe his voice. The main theory is that Donnie is an imaginary character in Walter's head, like an old nom buddy or something that maybe didn't make it out of nom or whatever the backstory there is. The, and then things that add up to it is that he never really interacts with anybody else. He's totally ignored by everybody the whole time. Yeah, there's one scene where where a dude is uh, walking away and Donnie's like, phone's ringing, dude. And he's like, thank you, Donnie, or I'm going home, Donnie. So, but that could be him just knowing Walter and knowing that Walter is in Donnie, is, is actually like in Donnie mode right now, being that he knows him so well and everything else. You know, and then there's the whole thing about how he, you know, when he does, when he does die, you know, yeah, he misses the strike. And if you see, like, he's fucking with his arm and shit a little bit, like, kind of like he's having the numbness and all that, kind of giving the signs of, like, something's wrong. But nothing's really focused on him. Everything else is kind of focused on, you know, the Jesus coming up, telling him, like, hey, I'm going to fuck you on Wednesday instead kind of shit. But, uh, 
But then after that, they meet the nihilist, and after the confrontation with the nihilist, he goes down with the heart attack. Well, the theory on that is that, you know, maybe Walter is over this whole thing and doesn't really need Donnie anymore, like that he's progressed to like, you know, that that, that part of, uh, you know, needing the, needing the element of Donnie in his life is over, which leads me to believe that maybe this has happened a couple of times because the dude plays along with it, you know, and he's like, oh, this again or whatever. Okay, so no more Donnie for a while. And, you know, so it could be it could be that it could be real. It could be. I mean, like I said, it's just a theory. You know, and yeah, they get the ashes and everything else. But I mean, in what world would you walk out of a fucking funeral, fucking cremation place with ashes in a fucking coffee can? You know, so I think that whole thing was maybe they just went in there to try and get a fucking thing and they didn't have the money for it. And there was the most modestly priced fucking receptacle. And, uh, you know, instead they just went with the coffee can and did the thing uh, on the fucking uh, on the on the on the on the shore there. And uh, and all the shit blew right back in dude's face, man. So, I mean, we all know how that goes. But yeah, so there is a theory that Donnie is uh, is not is an Amer- imaginary character. Not that I 100% believe this, but I could definitely see it. You know, I've thought this out kind of extensively. So it's it's definitely there, you know. Yeah, there's evidence on both sides. Like there are actually technically four times, I think, where the dude acknowledges or talks to Donnie. But on the other hand, there's also the weird thing like you put with the coffee can. It's actually like a Folgers bottom with a Maxwell house top. It's really weird. Could just be, you know, kind of one of those one-off things. But then, you know, on the negative side, you do also see when they go to the bowling alley at the end, somebody asks, like, says, sorry about Donnie to them. So that is like a third person doing that. So I don't think it is, but Donnie's, you know, part is, you know, kind of small for all things considered. Like he really doesn't get, you know, much to do. He's just kind of hanging out with them kind of in the other point in the evidence of the favor of is all the other bowling teams we only see two members i don't think we see another three member bowling team so there is you know i think the evidence says that he is real but it's one of those fun things like the you know pink floyd and uh dark side of the moon and wizard of oz or something like that it doesn't necessarily have to be real if it matches up close enough if it adds your enjoyment to the movie go for it you know can't hurt watch it once yeah, try, try and watch it both ways try and watch it one way with tuning donnie out completely and uh and just see what you know i mean See what you think. White Russians also play a pivotal role here in The Big Lebowski. And for the record, the dude's recipe for making a white Russian or a Caucasian, as a dude calls it, is two parts vodka, one part coffee liqueur, such as a Kahlua, and one part cream, served with ice in a lowball glass. Guys, it's been a long time since I've had a white Russian. But I do like them. I just I can't drink a lot of them. It's it's kind of a one and done thing for me. Um, but I do enjoy the occasional white Russian for sure. Yeah, there's certain occasions. Maybe it's definitely again when you, you start mixing dairy and alcohol, you have to be a little careful. That's never really a uh, a situation where you want to be pounding those. I just remember there was a weekend in college. It must have been sometime around when this came out in DVD or was blowing up or something because I was bartending a mixer and. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people who wanted white Russians. It was, it blew my mind to send people to the store for for more cream and Kahlua and like bullshit and everything. So, you know, I'm the bartender. I wound up drinking, I don't know, a couple dozen of those or something. And uh, yeah, dude, that 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 was it. Never again. I don't think I've had a white Russian since. I I don't necessarily hate them, but I just get that like, you know, uh, Walter style flashback as soon as I smell one. Soup, any feelings on the white Russian as a drink? I'm not against him. I like a white Russian, honestly, man. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pound him all day, you know, but, uh, but I do, I do like a, a white Russian every once in a while. Um, I haven't had one in a good bit of time. I thought about drinking some tonight, but, uh, but I didn't. So, um, here I am with, uh, 
with my uh, Sweetwater beers instead. But thoughts on the White Russian? Yes, an occasional good beverage, man. There's probably a beer called White Russian now that I think about it. And for the record, the dude drinks nine White Russians during the course of the movie. And he drops uh, one of them at uh, Jackie Treehorn's mansion. So that was the drugged one. I don't know if that really counts, but we're counting it. Jackie Tree, Treehorn, man, he makes one hell of a Caucasian, dude. <laughs> he does. And what about the whole Jackie Treehorn, you know, kind of slash porn side plot here, right? I mean, any thoughts on Jackie, his goons, the scene with the crooked police chief in Malibu? Um, that that scene, actually, I didn't remember, you know, and it had kind of like a almost like a full metal jacket-esque feel to it as this dude was just kind of like drill instructing you know and it, the dude here and just ripping him open on stuff but i didn't really remember that scene that was that was nice to kind of circle back around and rewatch and take in that scene i thought that was i thought that was pretty hilarious actually the stuff at jackie Treehorn's pretty great when like the dude is lounging but my favorite is then when he's like tripping and he gets picked up in the cab and then he gets kicked out because the dude's playing the eagles that's probably my favorite part of kind of that whole sequence but i really do enjoy it and i like how jackie Treehorn's dressed all like kind of white and red like his place is definitely like screams like porn producer yeah oh absolutely man making movies like log jamming and shay you know um he'll say publishing but yeah so pornography is definitely a part of that but um I think the character was great. I think the tying tying that thing in definitely uh, was a good was a good plot into the story as a whole. Definitely very interesting and uh, and very cool. And I love the fucking picture that he draws. You know, a dude comes over there and tries to figure it out, and it's like it's just a dude. Oh, with Nancy a drew it with the uh, pencil. He's <laughs> like trying to find a clue. And it's just a guy with a big dick, like. <laughs> that must have been what he was looking at at the time. I mean, I have to say, Jackie Treehorn probably feels. Like, if you crossed over, like, Big Lebowski and Boogie Nights, I guess you'd get Jackie Treehorn, kind of. Like, I think that makes sense. And also, shout out Jackie Treehorn's drug dealer. Because, dude, you get the idea that the dude, he can handle himself some substances. So whatever Jackie Treehorn gave him that knocked him, like, that crazy in one sip must be some serious shit. Powerful shit, dude. Definitely some powerful shit. And going back again to the uh, to the scene with the uh, Malibu police officer there, man, there's a couple of confrontations with the cops or the something behind this is the whole like you know slacker mentality that stemmed from like the 60s or whatever with the you know against the man or against authority like hippies against authority kind of thing and this thing kind of comes up a couple of times in the movie and that's one of them another one is with the big lebowski himself you know i mean just the disapproval of the slacker mentality and uh in that lifestyle you know even uh even when he's got the scene with the two cops you know you got you got the good cop the nice cop and then the other cop over there is like a I wouldn't worry about the credence, you know, um, just kind of fishing through his ashtray, like poking around at all his joint roaches and shit. That's totally in disproof or, you know, uh, just not approving of his uh, of his lifestyle whatsoever. You know, so there's a couple of scenes in the movie that have that whole like, you know, authority versus uh, versus, uh, you know, whatever the fuck. Yeah, and it's like the two parts of boomer culture, like the kind of people who want counterculture and then the people who kind of went straight or whatever. And there's always been like a, a cleavage or a confrontational attitude between those two parts of that generation. Guys, let, let's work our way through the rest of the characters here. You can draw a direct line from Jackie Treehorn in the porn plot line over to Bunny Lebowski in the Nihilist. So let's start with Bunny, played by Tara Reid in her prime. She doesn't have a ton of scenes here. Uh, but they're all pretty memorable. You're bunny. I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. You guys ready to talk toes or do you need to hit the ATM first? 
I'm just going to go find a cash machine. That broke me the first time I saw that. And then Philip Seymour Hoffman's reaction, both when she says it and then he says that and they go back and forth and like how they just cut to him. It's just fucking perfect. That whole scene is just perfect. Like even when he. uh, Well, he can't watch unless he pays 100. (laughs) (laughs) And remember, the dude sees the nihilist and the bull's like, won't he care? And she's like, no, he doesn't believe in anything. Like he doesn't care about anything. Yeah, it ties the nihilist back in. Shit. Like it just works so well. And one thing I do I have to just the dude wrote a check for 69 cents, and the way he acts makes me think he might be able to go get a thousand dollars out of the cash machine. Like it looked like he was really contemplating it in a way that he could actually pull it off. I mean, think about it. When's the last time the dude probably had his car inspected so he could pull over like 1971? <laughs> I th- I think he was willing to do uh Whatever it took to uh, to take her up on her offer. You could write some bad checks to somebody. <laughs> you could write a check for a thousand thousand dollars and sixty nine cents. Be like, all right, cash back, please. Yes, <laughs> guys. What about the nihilists themselves? I, I I don't. I know that they don't believe in anything, but I believe that they were pretty entertaining here. Any any thoughts on the nihilists? And shout out to Flea. I think Flea was one of them, so that's cool. He was one of them. <laughs> Yeah, there was Flea, there was uh, Peter uh, Stormari, who's been great. Like, he always plays, like, Russian dudes and shit or whatever. And then the third dude I really know, uh, Torsten Vogues. He's a German dude. Soup, you might know him because he was uh, the Lords of... He was in the Lords of Salem as Count Gorgan. And in death, he was Deathhead in 31. 31, yeah, I remember remember him 31 for sure. Um, I mean, I just liked the idea that all these criminals were so incompetent. Like they're all trying to try to chill this money, and like these nihilists are just as bad at this as the dude and Walter are. And even at the end, with like, like you know, in the the confrontation, the bowling, I was like, you know, we know you don't have anybody. Like, I don't care. We want the money anyways. Like, we don't have the money, and it doesn't matter. The and they got a fucking sword. They come to fight with a cricket bat and a sword. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, that was great, dude. I mean, the the, the nihilists are great in this movie anyway. Just as good. we cut off your Johnson, man. Like they're, they're throwing in castration here, man. When they throw but, the ferret, the fucking uh, the bathtub. Nice yeah, man. Um, <laughs> but see, now there's there's another theory here that Maude is behind all this shit, and that she hired the fucking because she knows them from the autobahn shit. So it's a theory that she hired them to fucking do this whole kidnapping thing so she could get the money and basically fuck her dad over, the big Lebowski over, and either put the money back in the thing like it never happened. And then all of a sudden now she's like in charge of everything instead because they were both like the only two people that could access any of that shit or that she just kept the money for herself or something like that if she ended up ever getting it. We never know the answer to that, but those are also a couple of theories on there as well. Um the one guy, uh, the the other guy, Uli, the the main guy, I believe he was in Fargo as well. Worked with the Coen yeah, brothers. Peter uh, Stormari. Like he's been in a ton of like he is very good. Like I love him. He's one of the like, the character actors. Like he's he's like that guy. Like he yeah. you know always very very good. Um, like I mentioned a minute ago, how about uh Brad, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman? He's kind of like the go between here. And what kind of made me curious is like what is a week of like Hibbs doing his job look like, right? I don't know, maybe Lebowski pushes him into shit, but you get the idea that he's probably not a great guy, but he always feels like he's covering for his boss. I mean, the kidnapping, he doesn't even blink, right? Like, this seems like this isn't his first rodeo. Like, he's been through some shit with uh, the big Lebowski. I'm sure, but, uh, you know, for one, shout out Philip Seymour Hoffman, man. uh, Miss that guy, but uh, he was, I mean, he was awesome. I don't know that anybody else could have really, like, the mannerisms for and just the way he delivers everything he says, you know. I mean, he just played that role perfect as, like, this 
kind of like I, I don't even know how to describe him like an assistant to this millionaire guy. a little put upon i mean yeah. there's a like but he plays it like he, with an air of competence again just a, right. of a great actor like you know he, he he's again not a ton of screen time but he definitely makes a count even just again i do like uh we always say with steven root and barry just like great facial acting yeah dude could say a lot without even saying a word yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, like all his mannerisms, you know, like he's in seclusion. Yeah, the nervous the energy. He's got that real kind right, of yeah. like frenetic, like. Yeah, yeah, he played it perfectly, man. I mean, like he was awesome. Everybody was awesome in this movie. So. Yeah. And 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 it's it's funny because he's just, you know, basically a glorified an executive assistant for all things, not even business, but just life. Yeah, he's probably changing the colostomy bag or whatever. It's it's uh it's you know i think he's just deeply entwined that basically he spends more time with the big lebowski than you know bunny or anybody else that's for sure speaking of lebowski guys that brings us to jeffrey lebowski the big lebowski and i don't know he came across as kind of the typical rich asshole at the beginning of the movie and at the end i think he's still an asshole but we find out he's not rich at all in fact he was willing to let his wife die in order to steal money from a children's charity He's actually paralyzed, though, so we we definitely will give him that. That was that was proven out. Uh, Walt, we can thank Walter for for determining that for us. What do you think about the Big Lebowski? I, I thought again, you couldn't have you couldn't have played it any better, you know, and the way he zips around on his zips around on his on his wheelchair on his on his on his uh, uh, little rascal, and um, you know, cruises around and just you know acts like he's got this you know this air about him where he's done so much. And again, it kind of fed into the whole slacker thing with, um, with the dude. I just thought this was a great combination here. That's actually a perfect call because he acts like so self-righteous, I would say like that and self-assured, like yeah. he is a, uh, you know, he's a maker, not a taker. And then you find out from all like, Oh yeah, he didn't even have any money. It all came from his wife. So of course, like, I you know, have- I'm pretty sure it was uh, the daughter, Maude, that was giving him the allowance and everything. Right, yeah, just to keep up appearances and shit. Like, he doesn't actually have, so he has no business treating, like, Lebowski, like, being holier than thou or whatever. And I think, uh, shout out David Huddleston, he plays it perfectly. Uh, he played Eugene in the It's Always Sunny uh, Christmas special. And I always like to imagine that it, Eugene is, uh, you know, the big Lebowski's brother or whatever, or something like that. You know what's awesome? Uh, I forgot about the Christmas special there, but he uh, also was the uh, actor who played Santa Claus in Santa Claus, the movie back in the fucking day, dude. So, uh, yeah, I guess he's got a little bit of that Christmas spirit to him as well when he's not fucking, uh, when he's not Lebowski and when he's not achieving, when he's not going out there and achieving. In an urban setting. Yeah. So, racially, he's pretty cool, man. <laughs> yeah. That brings us to Maude Lebowski, played by Julianne Moore, legendary Julianne Moore. She's not in a ton of scenes, but she definitely makes them count. She's a very interesting character here. They lean pretty hard into the idea that she's an artistic type, but she also seems to be very competent and kind of, you know, pulling the strings here, so to speak. Uh, Thoughts on Maude and, and the fact that she's willing to get herself knocked up by the dude? Her strategy around that? To paraphrase Half-Bake, when I first watched this the first couple of times, I always thought I was missing something, and she was secretly doing everything, and I thought it was more complex than that. And as I've watched, I'm like, I guess maybe she just has some really weird daddy issues, including wanting to get impregnated by a man with the same name as her father. So, eccentric. She's got money. If you're weird and you have money, you're eccentric. But enjoyed it very much. Just, uh, you know, Julianne Moore, especially putting her own kind of spin on it and 
very solid. Uh, it could have been a character like in lesser hands, it could have gone off the rails and been like a little bit too much. The caricature, like in uh, Always Sunny, when Frank pretends to be the art critic in season 11 and he's just way over the top or whatever, there's a way it could have gone there. And I think here it does seem, you know, believable enough. Again, I, I believe everything except the dude going to bowling practice, dude doesn't practice. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, she again, like everybody in the everybody who was cast in this movie just did a phenomenal job. But, you know, the Julianne Moore did great playing the character of Maud. I um, also, like I said earlier, there's a couple reasons why sometimes I think that Maud is the most important character in the movie and really the one behind everything. And, you know, and even if not, still a fucking awesome character, still fucking in charge and very, uh, you know, very i don't want to say controlling but very confident in life you know she is and i like the i like the boogie nights reference earlier because obviously she has a legendary role in that movie too and she kind of you kind of see that a little bit in this with kind of her comfort with her sexiness and her and her body and stuff the whole pregnancy thing kind of i remember watching being like wow i didn't see that coming you know it, it was like so that that was kind of a cool twist i think and it still is Guys, before we get into the dynamic duo, any other thoughts on Donnie? His full name, by the way, is Donnie Carabastas. Got a lot of cool shirts. Steve Buscemi's great. I'm just short of a haiku. He, he throws rocks, man. He throws rocks, dude. He's a roller, man. He's a roller. And shout out Buscemi, obviously. Just, I think it's deliberately underwritten. My only question is, how did Donnie get to hang out with these guys? I mean, Walter and, you know, Walter and the dude are kind of like yin and yang, like opposites of track kind of thing. But Donnie honestly seems like maybe the only genuine good person in like the whole movie. Well, maybe, maybe Sam Elliott, but. He's out, he's out of his element. That's why he's uh, Donnie, you're out of your element. That's why he's hanging out with the dude and Walter, man. I just feel like if you've ever seen the meme of uh, Steve Buscemi when he shows up, like he tries to go undercover as a teenager on 30 Rock and he shows up and he's like, hello, fellow teens with like a backwards hat and a skateboard. Like, I feel like Donnie here is showing up like, hello, fellow bowlers, just like trying to fit in or something like that. Well, he, de he, he definitely can bowl, though. That's that's for yeah, sure. He's, he's, uh, yeah, yeah, everybody can bowl, dude. This I would not want to play in this league. I'd get killed. That's a good league. All right, Soup, we've got, we've got another question for you here. Throughout the course of the movie, how many times does Walter tell Donnie to shut the fuck up? Shut the fuck up, Donnie. How many times? I don't know exactly, but I'm going to go ahead and give a rough guess here and say 18. I think it was five. So fuck. <laughs> There's a lot of fucks, but yeah, I think specifically Walter to Donnie, shut the fuck up. I think it was five. Got to be more than five. No, shit. Watch it again, dude. I'm going to come. That brings us. To Jeffrey the Dude Lebowski and Walter Sobchak. Mills, before we talk about the dynamic duo, give us the uh, tale of the tape, so to speak. All right, I'll go with the dynamic duo by the numbers. The dude says, man, 147 times in the movie. That's about once every minute and a half. Fuck or a variation of fuck was used 292 times. The word dude is used 161 times in the movie. It's spoken 160 times and seen once in the text for the credits of Gutterballs. That's the second dream sequence. And people mention peeing on the dude's rug 17 times. They also mention that the rug really tied the room together five times. And finally, five cast members have hosted Saturday Night Live. Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, John Turturro, Julianne Moore, and Steve Buscemi. Very impressive. 
we could talk about the dude and Walter for hours. I mean, they're, they're, they're fantastic. Let's start by discussing them as bumbling private dicks or whatever you want to call it. Did you guys enjoy the way that the, the mystery aspect of the story played out? I mean, Walter just, he just messes up so many times with increasingly hysterical results. Thoughts on the dude and Walter trying to navigate the kidnapping plot and trying to like, you know, do some inside baseball here to figure out what's really going on and, and how they can get their piece. It's the idea, like the thing that should have been the tip off is that somebody entrusted them with cash and like to do this in the first place. That should have been the first idea. Like this was designed to fail. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, who would, what in right mind, if you were really worried about your wife, you'd be better off picking a random person off the street than the dude. Right. Maybe Walter, you can see it like, all right. And, but I mean, the dude, well, see, now the dude was going to do what what the dude was going to do, man, uh, you know, or what, what he was, you know, what Lebowski wanted him to do. Walter's the one that came in with his fucking dirty undies in the ringer, man, and fucked the whole shit up, you know. But, uh, hey, man, I mean, you know, you got to fucking play your angle, dude. I mean, they were destined to fail, but, uh, you know, one of the funniest scenes has to be where they uh, confront Larry over his homework. And then Walter, you know, it smashes the wrong car to show, you know, what happens when you, you know, you fuck a stranger in the ass or whatever. And you get Walter in a suit, too. Like, I love the idea of John Goodman in the suit, but still with the sunglasses and the crew cut haircut and everything. Like, I just love the whole rest of it. I think he's in shorts the entire rest of the flick, except for that time he puts on the suit. And the, yeah, again, you're right. The idea of the underwear, like, that's the whole, like, he's just always trying to get his dirty undies with whites. Yeah. yeah, it's like just a comedy of errors, dude. Like it just never, like it just keeps like a snowball going down the hill, like a cartoon almost. And I, I really love that aspect of it that they don't take the kidnapping plot very seriously to the point, you know, the toe didn't even come from who we thought it came from. Who wasn't even kidnapped? She just went out. I mean, he could get you a toe, dude. Get your toe by three o'clock with polish. With polish. That wasn't her toe, dude. <laughs> But he was he was right about that. You give give Walter a little bit of credit. Uh anything else on the dude and Walter that we haven't discussed that you'd like to touch on? Um I mean it it's a pretty interesting uh in that like apparently this was all scripted. The dudes, the man's everything except for when uh the dude refers to the big Lebowski as a human paraquat. That was apparently the only ad lib that made it in. And, uh, you know, because the dude's definitely, you know, burning one in a lot of scenes. So before they filmed a scene, Jeff Bridges would ask, like, uh, did the dude burn one on the way over? And if they said yes, he would just, like, mess with his eyes to try and get him kind of red and uh, messed up for the scene and everything like that. So not quite method acting, but uh, still enjoying it. It goes right with the idea that the Jeff Bridges actually own, like, the clothes he wears as a dude are basically from, you know, Jeff Bridges' closet. So. Always like that. And uh, shout out to uh, the dude Arino, probably, you know, my favorite nickname for the dude. Sounds like Ned Flanders gave it to him. El Duderino. Duderino. Dude, imagine if Ned Flanders heard that Jesus was at the bowling alley and he went to the bowling alley and then he meets Jesus. I want to watch that spin. That's a spinoff I want to watch. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, this is the final free for all here. Anything else we haven't touched on that you guys would like to discuss? This is it, man. It's the big Lebowski, baby. Yeah, actually, man, one more thing I'd want to say is that this movie was designed in a way that is brilliant on a multitude of levels, man. But the most impressive thing to me is that people who watch this movie can also kind of be like co-creators of it. Like, think about it, man. 
all these different fan theories and little spinoffs, things that are unanswered in the movie that might not make sense to anybody. Like they did that everything on purpose to make it so that we could be like, you know, all these unanswered questions. You can kind of make up your own fucking whatever to go along with it, man. So, uh, so I, I feel like being uh, every time I watch this movie, I'm almost like a co-author of it, man. You know, because I come up with all this weird, different shit in my head about this and that and various ins and outs and what have yous, you know? So, I mean, uh, the movie is fucking legendary. It's awesome. The dialogue is fucking perfect. The interaction between everybody in it is fucking top notch, man. And it's quotable. And it's something that'll, you know, forever be one of my all time favorites. I think you basically put the words into my mouth. I agree with everything you said, uh, Jamie G. Any other thoughts yourself, man? I mean, soup, just, just put it out there so well. This movie, it's got the excitement. It's got incredible dialogue. It's absolutely hilarious. But the characters, man, even the side characters that don't get a ton of screen time are just, they're just legendary. So this, it held up well, and I think it always will. Um, you got to think, I mean, this is this is literally pre-cell phone, right? So, I mean, the dude's walking around with a giant phone and a pager, and you really don't yeah, dude, miss... Dude, yeah, you had the beeper, the pager. You really don't miss the the new technology in this, right? It doesn't. It didn't really harm this movie or make it be like, yeah, that doesn't hold up now because they have cell phones. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, and that's one thing that I think is really impressive that we probably haven't touched on. But yeah, all, all the all the all the Walters, all the dudes, uh, give give it to me all the time. That's what she said. Uh, all right. So we can go right to the chase then. I think it's pretty obvious we would all consider the Big Lebowski to be sponge-worthy. So let's just get more specific. And to the best of my knowledge, I'll have 10 toes, five on each foot. I think that's how it works. So on a scale of one to 10 toes, polish optional, with one being a film that you hate as much as Jamie G hates Coming to America, that's the Coming to America sequel, and 10 toes being one of the greatest films ever made. How many toes are you giving to the Big Lebowski I'll make it fast and go first here. I'm going nine and a half toes with polish. Just missing half a pinky. Almost perfect. Still get around every day. Wouldn't even notice that you didn't have just the greatest feet ever. Jamie G, give it some toes. Yeah, right there. I'm giving I'm giving this nine toes. I mean, this is, you know, one toe is missing uh, with polish, but I, I'm giving this thing one nine toes. It's It's awesome. It's a great, 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 great movie for what it is. Love it. All right, fair enough, man. Well, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give this fucking thing all, all ten toes with polish, because it's one of the I consider this one of the best movies ever made. If you haven't seen it in a while, definitely watch it. If you have seen it recently, fucking watch it because it doesn't matter. It's good every fucking time. It's one of those movies that is just that good, man. I don't know. Just it's, it's got layers. It's it's like fucking lasagna, dude. It's got way too many layers. Not too many, but lots and lots of layers. And it is always something different every time I see it, you know, in some regard. So, uh, so yeah, I'm giving it all 10 toes, all with polish. We're trying to get to a movie. You better get going. You don't want to miss one second of that movie. Is it that good? <laughs> it's the best goddamn movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Dude hangs dumb. I told you that. I told you that. I don't miss that. Finally, it's time to decide what we're going to watch for our next episode. We're all going to give a quick elevator pitch and then vote on the winner. Remember, you cannot vote for yourself. If there's a tie, we spin the wheel. I'm up first here, followed by Soup, and then finally Magna Mills will pitch us, you know, probably some random episode of television or 
or something like that. Guys, I've brought a couple of things to the table here. I haven't won yet. I'm still kind of bitter about Arcane. I really think that that should have won. Escape from New York won. So I am going to... What's that? Escape from New York won. Escape from New York won. But, you know, dude, when you're Jamie G. Esquire the fifth, you expect to win every time. So uh, I'm going to go with a heater here, dude, in my own right. I think that this one um, will we'll hold up here. And I'm excited to rewatch this. And and talk about it, man, because it's been a long time. But I remember this being one of my absolute favorites. And I hope that we use this to catapult to go into a bunch of movies this dude did. I'm going back to 1989 and I'm taking this black comedy thriller and I'm bringing it to the screen here, dude. I'm going with Christian Slater in Heathers. Yes, Heathers. I'm talking about Christian Slater in high school, murder, sex, mystery going out with a bang. We need to watch this. I mean, come on, Christian Slater, Winona Ryder. We're doing a Winona Ryder thing. We had her in, you know, Beetlejuice. Let's get her in Heather's here, dude. And, uh, you know, Shannon Doherty's in, like, this movie has everything, everyone, 1989, absolute classic. Let's keep it going and let's go Heather's. Love it. Love it. Um, all right, I'm up next, man. Fuck. Heather's, dude. Um, all right, so... Um, I'm saying, you know what? Fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. I'm pitching Kingpin. Let's stick with this fucking vibe, man. And let's go back to the Fairley Brothers, man. And let's throw another bowling movie out there or a movie with a lot of bowling in it. It's got fucking Woody Harrelson. I mean, this movie is fucking great, dude. It's got Randy Quaid in there, man. And uh, I mean, it's just funny front to back. It's fucking Kingpin. It's delicious. That's my pitch. Wow. It's like you eaters. Sweeter than you who, man. (laughs) <laughs> wow man that's tough mills you're in a bind here buddy because you 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 better you better have some heat in the wheel, wheel 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 <laughs> all right john Turturro, matt damon edward norton rounders john malkovich gretchen mole if you enjoy poker if you enjoy late 90s movies you enjoy great dialogue even if you don't really understand poker and this is a great call because it actually preceded the moneymaker boom in online poker when the world series blew up in the early 2000s just a phenomenal film overall martin landau is a professor i mean great cast great everything so yeah i am pitching rounders from 1999 starring matt damon Edward Norton, all that good stuff, feeling it. Wow. Okay. Wow, dude. I haven't seen it in a minute. Wow. This is this may be the best front to back mm-hmm. pitch session we've had on regular dudes watch stuff. What would you guys watch? Drop a line. Let us know based on those three. What would be your vote? Keep interacting with us because this is. I need some time to think. Mills, tell us how this works again. What we do here is first I give the nominees, and then I tell you what order we're going to vote in. Jamie G, you pitched Heathers, Christian Slater, Winona Ryder, doing a high school thing in the late 80s. Soup Deucer pitched Kingpin, Fairley Brothers Classic, uh, Woody Harrelson, Bill Murray, Randy Quaid, Vanessa Angel, great stuff. Love Kingpin, and I pitched Rounders, late 90s poker movie starring Edward Norton, Matt Damon, bunch of great people, including John Turturro, we just got done watching in the big Lebowski and we vote in the reverse order in which we nominated. So I vote first followed by the soup deucer and Jamie G and I'm voting for Kingpin. Well, you guys, fuck, man, 
the I'm torn here because I haven't seen Rounders in a hot minute. I do remember that being a good movie, but I can't vote against fucking Slater in the '90s with Heather's. I haven't seen that in a minute either. Um, it'll be a good rewatch, so I've got to go. I've got to go with that one, man. Wow. Jamie G, we can either watch Kingpin or you can send it to the wheel. Her life is in your hands, dude. Yes, you repeat that. Her life <laughs> is in your hands. Look, I'm in a poker league. I love poker. Uh, don't get me wrong, Kingpin's one of my all-time favorites, but I, I was gonna go rounders no matter what. I'm going rounders. We're taking it to the wheel. We're spinning. Taking it to the wheel. All right, give me one second to make it a new one, Mr. Wheel. Man, that's but dude, there's no wrong answer here. Any any one of these three is gonna be a lot of fun to do. I mean this 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 will be great. Alright, dude. Here we go. Alright. Rounders. Rounders wow. it is. Oh, this right. is a good one, dude. You will not be disappointed. This is a good flick, dude. It's a very good flick. It's, even if you have a rudimentary understanding of poker, it's a good flick. I know poker. I'm gonna put my fucking poker face on and be ready for this one, dude. I can't read your. I can't read your. Remember, there's liquor in the front. You can my poker face. Yeah, well, thank you guys again for checking out Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. We really appreciate you checking us out. Please remember to go ahead, like, subscribe, do it, do it now. If you've got a movie or a show that you'd like to, to talk about, let us know, man. Hit us up on our social medias in the comments of the YouTube or podcast, wherever you happen to be watching. Multiple ways to get at us. Let us know what you want us to do. And what would you have voted for on those three, man? Because I'm curious. Those are three heaters. Mills, remind everybody where they can find us. Like the man said, wherever you eat your pods, just search for regular dudes watch stuff, even just dudes watch stuff. And that's where we are on social media at dudes watch stuff. Again, on YouTube, search for regular dudes watch stuff, dudes watch stuff, or you can just go to joeblowfootballshow.com. Brings you right to our YouTube channel. If you have any more detailed feedback, you can send it to regular dudes watch stuff at gmail.com. And that's basically it. On behalf of myself, Magna Mills, and the Soup Deucer, and Jamie G, thank you very much for checking us out. And we will be back next time to talk about some stuff. Thanks again for checking out Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. We'll be back next week where we cover Rounders. And we'll be taking her easy till then, man. Maybe doing a little bit of log jamming on the side. I got some. I got some cable. I need to go fix too. So.